Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Despite what their moms told them, they just aren't talented enough for radio. Unfortunately, anyone can have a show these days. Sean. Well, I'm pretty hard to figure out sometimes. But I can't even figure myself out sometimes, so don't you try to. Joe. You're an idiot. And really, a disloyal person. This, this is the Cuse Militia. Those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe. It's the most bullshit thing I've seen in 30 years. Welcome, orange men and ladies. Happy Sunday. This is the Cuse Militia with Sean and Joe at Cuse Militia. On the socials, go there. Join the Militia live on X Spaces for the final segment of each show. The Orange football team become bowl eligible with a 35-31 win over Wake Forest. And maybe one week makes that big of a difference, but either way, apparently something within that week. Uh, looked to me to be at the very least that Dan Valari maybe should have been throwing the ball down the field more, but nonetheless, you'll hear from us and we'll hear from you and fan feedback. But before we get into all of that, um, we will talk about Syracuse hosting LSU in the Dome for the ACC-SEC Challenge this Tuesday at 7 p.m. They cleaned up. Finally getting a win in the Maui Invitational, uh, the 105 to 56 thumping of uh, Chaminade, who was just, I mean, let's, it just got thumped. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was not, we wouldn't expect any less, I don't think, um, but it was good to see and kind of, um, not only that, but, you know, to, to get out of there with something. And, uh, you know, Chaminade, not yeah. for anything, has, was kind of, I mean, they hung with a couple of teams, just, you know, just not good enough mm. to do anything, really. I mean, Something the tells was me the that they're, there. like, used to that, right? I mean, they played three games yeah. in three days, and I think by the third day, now this is the third good team they've been going against, and, they just, you know, they're obviously more tired than anyone else, and they normally get... They were tenderized. The team, the team that lost, well, the team that's already lost two, that need to get the third win. They can't lose that, right? So now you have a team like Syracuse who, you know, I mean, we, we spoke about it. They competed in kind of late in the second half. So they kind of, the games got away. Teams are top 10 teams. Um, but, you know, by the time Syracuse got there, they're pissed and ready to prove a point. And there's Chaminade on their third day of playing against uh, teams that are just more talented and been bigger and stronger and faster than them. And uh, I think that's just uh, what you get. It's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so, Yeah, they were tenderized a little for us, I think uh, it's fair to say. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it, was a good, it was a good game for Syracuse to uh, actually, uh, like I said, get out of there with a win. So, um, Had to. Yeah, we absolutely had to, and, and Syracuse <laughs> is going to face a, a couple of, um, you know, they're going to face some decent teams in the next, I mean, geez. I mean, you look at the next six games, 
and he got LSU, well, it's seven. No, six. No, seven. Sorry. <laughs> I'll get it. Uh, LSU, Virginia, Cornell, Georgetown, Oregon, Pitt, and Duke. And well, There's a Niagara in there, so it'd be eight. Is there? Where's Niagara? Oh, there is. Yes, there is. How could I forget about Niagara? But, <laughs> but I mean, you know, um, even if you just look at the next five, it's it's, you know, we don't know what we're. I, I don't know what we're getting with this team, and I'm not sure I know what I'm getting with any of the other teams as well, including LSU, who we're about to talk about here in a second. Um, it's just one again, early in the season, and you think about where everybody stands, all of the transfers that have come in. LSU's got a few first-year transfers, and first year to LSU, and. Um, you know, you just don't know really what you're going to get this early in the season with any of these with any of these crews. Everybody's still kind of, to some degree, trying to figure it out. So, uh, with that said, Joe, are you ready for LSU? Can you enlighten us on yes, LSU? Sir. I got a little bit here. Um, the all-time series between Syracuse and LSU sits at one and zero in favor of the Orange. A 76-64 win back in 1985. I was seven. Raphael Addison led the, led SU with 25 points in that game. Both of these teams are currently sitting at 4-2 and two at this point in the season. LSU is currently on a three-game win streak. One of those wins coming against Wake Forest in the Shriners Children's Charleston Classic. Okay, that's a mouthful. 86-80, to that was an overtime win. Uh, they did lose to Dayton the first game of that tournament, but won the next two. Uh, the Tigers are led and scorned by 7-foot senior forward Will Baker, uh, he's averaging just over 16 points a game. He leads his team in rebounds as well. With six a game, he started off his collegiate career in Texas, transferred to Nevada after one year in Texas, and then he spent two years in Nevada, then transferred to LSU. So, again, bounce, bounced around a little bit. Jordan Wright is the second points leader on the team. He's spent four years at Vanderbilt before uh, transferring to LSU as a fifth-year senior. Pre- pretty big guy, again, 6'6", and uh, he's averaging about 11 points a game and five rebounds. You got uh, Tyrell Ward. He's a sophomore, 6'6". Uh, Jalen Reed, 6'10", uh, another forward from Jackson, Mississippi. The shortest guy I could find in the squad with any relative minutes is Carlos Stewart. He's 6'1", junior from Baton Rouge. He transferred from Santa Clara two years um, two years after two years in Santa Clara, so he's another first-time LSU player this year. And I think he's averaging about 13 minutes. So I, I, I don't... No, 23. What's that? 23. 23 what? Minutes. Oh, is it 23? Okay. Yeah. My bad. Then I read that long. But wrong. But anyway, um, I don't know if this team's a huge threat from deep. I mean, they're, they're shooting around 37% so far this year. Um, Baker, he's a guy who can shoot from the outside. He's 5 for 10. Um from three, Tyrell Ward, he's nine for 21 from three. So um, those are two big guys that uh, are the the threats, I think, running into this game so far this year. They're hitting just over 47% of their shots from the field and 70, 72.5% from the free throw line. So, Joe, I, I don't know what else you can add, but just a team with a lot of length and a couple of big guys who not only can be a threat around the rim and are grabbing a lot of boards, but there are guys – they're – guys too that can be a threat from outside so you got a versatile group like i said i, I found a fifth year senior on there and um just some tall dudes a lot of a lot of big tall dudes on this team 
<laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> to me, this team is kind of kind of like us. Like you said, they start three out of their five starters are are transfers, right? So they're still trying to figure it out. Um, they have another transfer on the bench, six nine, Damian Collins uh, from Kentucky, um, who last game against North Florida, he had nine points, four rebounds, two blocks off the bench. Did injure his shoulder in the second half and didn't return, so I don't know whether or not he's going to be available Tuesday night. Um, but to me, this is a team that I've seen that go 9-10 deep pretty much every game. Um, and there's a lot of, when you look at the minutes, I mean, the starters' average minutes, I mean, are 28, 23, 20, 23, 29. The bench, 17, 21, 19. Um, so, yeah, they... Uh, they're tall, they're lengthy, they sub, they play really good defense. Um, the other starter you didn't mention, Mike Williams, 6'3", 180. Not a big score, had six steals against North uh, North Florida on Friday. And, um, yeah, you know, they start a seven-footer with Will Baker. Like you mentioned, Jalen Reed, 6'10". You got uh, Derek Fountain, who averages 19 minutes, 6'10", comes off the bench. Uh, senior Trey Hannibal, another guard, 6'2", 221. So to me, that's just a big, thick, muscular guy who comes in, plays defense. So um, they're going to be physical. Uh, they're going to be tall. They're going to be athletic. And they're going to play tough D. Um, so to me, it's a very, very similar team to us. Uh, when you do look at the uh, the games they did lose, they lost a heartbreaking game to Nichols. Um, in uh, that Dayton game that you spoke of where they lost uh, three points in the first round of the, whatever that classic, Charleston Classic, whatever it was. Um, Dayton, Dayton came back from being down 15 with nine minutes to go in that game. So, I mean, this LSU team could very well be – they're very close to being uh, undefeated. And then and after that, after those losses, going to beat North Texas um, and then Wake Forest in that, in that tournament, taking care of business um, – it's a team that's getting better, and I, like I said, I, it's pretty much the same as us. We're, we we have both got different guys as far as transfers that are starting, and, and we're just trying to figure it out just like they are. Um, just we've played a little bit more difficult competition than them, um, but they've beaten better teams, if that makes sense. So Tuesday is going to be very, very interesting. I see it as a very, very evenly matched game. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we've played a team this big yet. That'd be kind of my only worry. No, know? no, no. And looking at some of the comments from the coach, uh, you know, obviously still trying to figure it out. But they pretty much started the same five guys, and they do say that you know, as, as much as they are, um, they're defending the two point shot very well. Well, so yeah, that's I mean, gonna be it. it's gonna be tough for Judah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe he can get in there and draw a lot of fouls. But as far as finishing, and we don't know, you know, what the game's going to look like as far as um, how loose or tight the whistles will be. But you know, mm-hmm. he can't be deterred. He's got to keep trying. Yeah, and, and his coach, his coach said that they, you know, he's not happy with how they seemingly struggled to, on the defensive side to get rebounds, which again is kind of a problem that we have as well too so like i said very similar team when i looked at their their roster and how they sub out how they play and their schedule it just seems like um i mean they're averaging 
over 35 rebounds a game, almost 36 rebounds a game. I don't know. That's just it was a quote from the coach, man. But, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> so they look they look very they look like like I said a very similar team to us. The only difference is, is uh, if you want to go down the analytics portion of it with Ken Palm. Ken Palm's got us ranked what one twenty six, and LSU is seventy third. So according to analytics, they're a better team. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, Tuesday at seven. And uh, this will be, you know, the last game before we we get our our shot against Virginia. Uh, who's that's a, it's a, that's another kind of conundrum, like to determine what's going on there with Virginia. I haven't looked too much into it, but I've watched um, at least a part of a couple games throughout their uh, you know early season, and you kind of don't know what you're going to get there either. So. No, no. I think um, I think the next five games really are going to tell us a lot about this team, and I think it's going to actually have a big, big, big deal of of how, especially the the LSU and Georgetown and Oregon games. I mean, we have to beat Cornell and Niagara, so I don't really want to count them. But the LSU, I mean, in Virginia, is an, a conference game kind of thrown right in the middle of the non-conference schedule um, at, at Virginia as well. So, But like the LSU, Georgetown, and, and Oregon, to me, are like very important games when it comes to, you know, what our resume looks like as far as postseason-wise. Did you happen to watch the UVA-West Virginia game? I think it was Friday night. I mean, they almost, no, they almost lost I that, that game. posted about... So you posted about uh, West Virginia's center, though. Pretty, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he's pretty good. He had 17 points in that game, actually. And oh, damn. I think uh, just under. He almost had a double-double. Nine rebounds. So he's pretty good. Um, so he probably had some blocks, too, right? I mean, probably two. You know, he could probably do better than that, honestly. <laughs> but in that game, uh, in that game specifically, he, he had two there, yeah. But... You know, a decent player. Seems like he's happy to be where he's at, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, sure could use a guy like that. But, hey, you know, we move on. And also, you know, what, see what we've, what we're going to come up with, you know, as time goes on. And like I always am very optimistic in the beginning of every season as far as, you know, how this how teams progress, whether it be football or basketball, but mostly with basketball, how how well our team will you know improve from these early games that we're watching now to you know mid ACCs and play and you know going into March, which is a long ways away, but early going is a lot of the same issues I feel like we saw last year and without Jesse, I think, you know, honestly, and I'm trying to keep, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but that's the missing piece, I think, to this team right yeah, now. To, to me it was. To me it is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Malik Brown, I think, doing a tremendous job for what, you know, for being thrown into it. And he came in a lot last year for Jesse. Um when he had to, and Jesse was in foul trouble and things like that. And Jesse was in foul trouble against UVA, so that issue still lingers. But the pros outweigh the cons 
with uh, Jesse Edwards, and I mean, no question in my mind where I'd rather see him playing. So, yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, so, uh, look, let's move on to some football. A pretty good day for the Syracuse Orange. You know, I was really proud of uh, this team, and I was really proud of, gosh, the guts and the grit of a one Garrett Trader just – Man, I, I don't know if enough can be said about this guy as far as his character and his passion for what he does and not just for himself but his teammates. He was asked a couple of questions in regards to the season and things like that in the press conference. And he, we, you know, when he talked about going out there and doing it for these seniors and his teammates and to try to get this extra game, he became emotional a couple times talking about it. And, um, you know, he had a lot of good things to say about coach Babers. And I think, um, just to go out and after the last three weeks, you go 10 for 15 for 173 and three touchdowns. And I mean, they had an interception, but a, a tip ball and you can put that on the quarterback, but tip balls, you know, I wonder the interception rate's got to be like 80%. <laughs> I mean, that thing, you know what I'm saying? It just becomes becomes a a duck up there coming down from the sky. So, <laughs> you know, um just what he is what he did yesterday, I was absolutely shocked. I I didn't know we talked a lot about, you know, what are we going to see with this offense? I would have said if I had to guess that we would have seen a more traditional offense, but this was like a really good, really good um, balance between what we've been seeing with, I don't know if it's that balanced, but 58 rushes. LeQuint, 32 rushes for 144 yards. Dude, you want to talk about someone who just, you cannot break the spirit of that dude. I mean, this guy in his in his part of the press conference, all smiles, just loving life and enjoying what he's doing. And everybody, Dan was there, you know, LeQuint, and then Schrader came in uh, after those two left. And the way that they all talk about each other and having them, how close they are and how they've got there and they fight for each other and they motivate each other and they, you know trying to get this extra game, this extra bowl game. It's just, I mean, it's a special team. It's a special team. Regardless of what's happened with coach or the losing streak, it's a special team. Now, if you had to ask me, and I do have a montage, so I should probably get to that. It, it, like we talked in the, in the um, preview, I, I thought the defense would have been, I felt like they could have had a field day with this team, but wasn't the case. And they did enough to um, make sure that we sealed this win, um, a, a stop for um, leading to a field goal try, a stop at, you know, inside the five-yard line uh, with an interception. So on fourth down, I think, yeah, they had to go for it. It was the end of the game. It pretty much is what sealed the deal there uh, for the most part. But um, when it came down to it, once again, the defense does it. But I'll, I'll be honest – you know, I was a little nervous when Wake started to come back. What a poor decision um, for 
for them to go for two and get it within, I think it was going to get within two, instead of just kicking the extra point and making it a field goal game, they could have tied it. In hindsight, you look back on that, and you're like, man, kind of a dumb... No, I think they went, to, they went for two to get within three, I believe. No, they went for two. It was 31 to 35, and they went for two. And they could have kicked the extra point and went 32 to 35, and they actually were in, you know, ended up coming down to that. That's why they had to go for it on fourth down when that ball was intercepted at the end of the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, they went for it for two before that, too. Oh, okay. And yeah. got that one. And then the second time, um, just a questionable call there. I'm not sure what what was going on there. I, don't know. In hind- I mean, not in hindsight, because I said it at the time. It's not even in hindsight. I was like, why the hell would they just not get this thing down to three? I don't get it. Did they just not have that much faith in their defense to where they just felt like they had to get the most points every time they could? So, I don't know. Obviously, the defense was shredded. You know, Dan Valari with a with a bomb. I think it was uh, forty seven yards um, to oh, yeah. um, Alfred, and that was well, that was both it. Defenses were, yeah, both defenses were a little thin. But, anyways, anything I, I want to get into the 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 presser, but anything to what I was um, saying in regards to just the athletes themselves and. Um, the post game press conference for the for the players that you picked up on because there's one other thing I picked up on Dan too. Can I say it? I'm gonna say it. I mean, you can. Uh, I would say that as far as Garrett's concerned, obviously, um, I would love to know in hindsight what his what his injuries are. You know, I've I've heard rumors and there's somebody on. Twitter said something about a torn rotator cuff, you know, certain other things. Don't even know. Don't know if he needs surgery or not. Like, I don't know. You know, I mean, he could have shut it down and he could have tried to figure out, um, you know, what I need to do to get healthy before the draft. Who knows what his, you know, thought process is in the career. But it was evident to me. He um, he said he was given a lot of advice by a lot of people on that. He was. I think he made the right choice. He made the right, to me, the right moral choice, Um, obviously. With uh, Dino, you know, the, his his coach, like he said, favorite coach he's ever played for. Um, when he got fired, obviously, I'm sure, you know, it it that's you know it hurt Garrett, and he wanted to win that for him and for the seniors, um, probably more than anybody else. And I think that's why he got emotional because of just the fact of like how hard everybody's worked and knowing that they had chances last year and this year, and just with injuries, you know, I mean, you could tell from his and the way he was explaining it was just, you know, they knew they were better than, than what they ended up being, but because certain people got hurt, it was like trying to figure it out. And, you know, sometimes, you know, life isn't fair and, and it just sucks because, you know, in hindsight, last year and this year could have been a lot better. And then Dino, we'd be probably looking at an extension versus getting fired. Um, so unfortunately, uh, business is business and, you know, it happens, but I'm just glad that Garrett could you know, get out there and be gutsy and be the extension of Dino and, 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 you know, play as hard as he did to get that W so that these guys go to a bowl. Because again, like he said, they all deserve it. And, you know, whether or not he is going to eventually, whether he's going to play or not, who knows, you know, same as Marlowe, we don't know. Um, and um, obviously yeah, there's, right. he came in a too. lot of, 
he was asked speculation joe he was asked he was asked and you know he was he also did the senior walk which again Mikel jones did as a junior right so um we know that he's going to dip his toes into the nfl water and see what's going on justin Barron, i think was another one because i think he's got one more year eligibility so um again we got a lot of uh a lot of chips to fall here within the next couple of weeks. We're obviously going to find out what bowl game we're going to, what the deal is with the coaching staff, whether or not we have a new coach. Is he going to coach the bowl or is, uh, you know, uh, Coach Campanelli going to do it? Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of question marks still. Um, and again, we'll eventually, you know, talk about kind of that stuff. But um, that's kind of what I got out of those three. And I think, you know, there was a lot. There was a lot that Dan said. <laughs> Dan, yeah, the, well, the without one, saying a lot. Yes. Uh, well, he did like say. He misspoke. Did he miss? Well, I mean, here. Well, I don't even know if we're talking about the same thing. So there was a there was a two two things. Dan was asked, you know, what what you know could be different to make this team a little bit more successful this year, and he said discipline. A little bit more discipline, play or discipline, and the culture. He didn't elaborate on it. But the last question that was asked of that group before they left was something along the lines of what was the culture like when Dino was here or this and that. And he said basically, I'm not going to answer any questions on about Dino anymore, and um, we're going to move on. And that was pretty much it. He said, you know, he loves Dino Babers and this and that. So, uh, which I thought was, I mean, if you if you had something good to say or you could put some rumors to rest or whatever like that, that you would take that opportunity to do so. And I'm not saying that that's not the case. I just think that maybe he just didn't want to get into it or maybe, I don't know. It was just a weird, I thought it was a weird moment. And then just to get up and they just, you know, that was it. <laughs> it's a weird way to end the press conference, that, just in my opinion. You know, if you got – there were so many players at the end of that game that, uh, you know, were – had said what they need – felt like they needed to say after that game to Coach Babers. And this one's for you, Coach. And, and Justin Barron and, and Marla Wax and a couple others holding signs up at the end of the game, thanking Coach and – um you know, there is a. It's a little different with Coach Babers. the The appreciation in in things for Coach Babers is a little different than what I think we've seen with other coaches. And it's just for him to have the opportunity to kind of elaborate on anything and like just basically punt on it. Just it has a negative connotation to it. And maybe he didn't mean it that way, but. Um, you know, he did say something along the lines of, you know, whatever team I'm on, but he's a guy who can't, he, I mean, he can't transfer without sitting out of here, right, Joe? I don't know. I think that's still the rule. Yeah, but I mean, there's certain waivers and certain stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. It was a weird, I got a weird feel from Dan. And I would love, absolutely love to have Dan Vlari back next year. Absolutely. This dude has come out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, he had like one great pass play or two great um, pass plays, uh, you know, receiving plays, I should say, through the year. And you could just see the power and determination in this dude. And then all of a sudden we we start this wildcat hybrid thing. And, you know, 
we see his actual skills and in, in the pass that he threw yesterday. We, you know, it's just, just all of the things for the past few weeks. You're like, man, what a freaking stud, what an athlete. And just, I don't know. I didn't get the warm fuzzies. That's all. Yeah. Well, I mean, you never really know when, it, why, why a kid comes to a certain school. I mean, who knows if it was Campanelli as to why he came, you know, cause obviously he's that Jersey recruiter and, um, you know, that was going to be his position coach and everything like that. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, too, I don't like reading into a lot of it. Because when he talks about culture, when he talks about discipline and all that kind of crap, um, I mean, obviously, you might have the situation where he might be talking about discipline as far as, like, on the field or something like that. But that also could be off-the-field stuff. Um, that also could be... Um, as far as culture goes, that it can also go higher than Dino Babers, you know, going to the speak yeah, to like absolutely what but, we talked about because yeah. the culture, he could be like the F, you know, the culture of the school, the culture of the university, as far as how serious they take football, you know, cause he compared it to, you know, I came from Michigan and I can, and I saw blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah. You probably saw a school and a fan base and a community and an athletic director that was all about making sure that they are, you know, putting football first because that's, you know, the, the moneymaker. And again, they beat Ohio State yesterday and they're probably well back on their way of winning another Big Ten championship and going to the, the playoffs. So, um, you know, he's seen big boy football and it doesn't just end with the culture well, as far as just in the locker room and just by the coaching staff, it's an overall university and community culture. And um, that could be something, you know, that he's speaking about. It's a very subjective and generalized. It's um, a broad. Thing. It's a broad. It's very thing. broad. So it's it's a situation where I think it was that. And I don't think that he necessarily wanted to talk about Coach Babers anymore because I think that the, the coaches are the players are probably sick and tired of talking about it and answering questions about it. Um, and you know, he also probably didn't want to have to try to make that connection or try to, well, you know, talk his way out of that without trying to, you know, stir up other feathers. So to me, I mean, I can see how somebody could take it a wrong way or take it as cryptic or negative towards Dino. But I think that, um, he might've just kind of had the foot in mouth and, kind of corrected it by saying, you know, yeah, I, I probably said too much. I'm not going to elaborate, you know. You could take it in a couple of different ways. <clears throat> he did say that, you know, he came from Michigan, which is a program, you know, that he, I think, regarded as a program that is just that well run and has their ducks in a row and, you know, it's just different, right? Has the best facilities, has communities. Facilities, going, yes. They're filling a hundred thousand yeah. stadium. Right. They got nil money. Right. He, he, you know, so he did kind of jump on that a little bit, like very subtly, and in his in one of his answers, and you know that's what sets those teams apart. And if you know, you could just watch a game, watch one game to the other, and realize that. You know, some teams are more organized and got their got their stuff together uh, more than others, and it's just that. And you know, he having him be there and see it and live in it, 
I think it was maybe for whatever reason, and you, all of the things you mentioned could be a little bit of each just across the board for him that aren't here at Syracuse. And, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, I think it's obvious. He doesn't need to say it, right? He doesn't need to say it. And we kind of all know, at least the ones who are realistic kind of already know. But, um, you know, just some interesting things. That, that, that presser's about 25 minutes or something like that. You know, I would highly recommend going back through and watching it. Like I said, you know, I don't think you can read too much into anything, but there was definitely some interesting things. Um, you know, Garrett Schrader, if not for anything, you watch it for the, the segment that he's in. And I just, I'm, I mean, he's going to be missed. <laughs> he was one of my favorites, mm-hmm. you know, and um, gosh, I wish, I wish, I wish he was healthy this year and last year. And it just sucks. It sucks for what could have been. And it's, it's, it's okay because we know, I think we know, you know, what the deal is. And I feel like Garrett Trader gave his all regardless of what he was going through. Very unselfish and um, just an awesome, awesome player. And I, for one, am not for anything. Another month of practice and maybe some recovery under his belt. And we get to see, you know, something special having Garrett Beach play his last game in this bowl game for the orange. So anyways, let's hear what coach camp had to say following the win. Really proud of the guys, uh, really tough week and they did a great job staying together, staying focused on the task at hand, played really hard, uh, tons of adversity this week and tons of adversity in the game. Uh, and they kind of just battled through, uh, couldn't be more proud of, uh, the way they competed, the way they played. So, uh, really, just a great testament to uh, the character of the guys on this team, the coaches uh, who did a great job staying together, the support staff, everybody in a really difficult week uh, managed to stay focused on the task at hand, which was getting, uh, getting Syracuse football to a bowl game in back-to-back years. That, that's a pretty special accomplishment. Coach, when did you know that Garrett Schrader would be able to go at the level he was today, and what played into the decision to have him go as much as he did? Uh, we knew at about... 207. Uh, to be honest, though, honestly, like he warmed up uh, relatively well, but there were so many things he really had not done in practice, and it was a little bit like, okay, he's going to ramp it up on game day and see how that goes. Uh, I thought Jason did a great job of building a plan so that we had an escape hatch if that couldn't happen, because he really was very limited in practice, and uh, you know, he's a really gutsy kid. I mean, that, that's a really special performance. It was really important for him uh, to get help get this team to a bowl game that was I, I know that was a really important thing for him and uh he basically did everything he possibly could for us today and uh you know I, I really appreciate it I know the rest of the guys did too Nunzio how did you guys deal with sort of the subject of Dino did you encourage the kids to talk about him to a point and then cut off off the conversation how did you just you know deal well with you know the big thing is coach Player-coach relationships are really deep, you know, and some of these guys have relationships with coach, you know, four and five years. And, you know, I just told the kids, uh, everybody in the room, none of us would be here without him, including myself, you know. So uh, you have to deal with that, and you have to kind of work your way through that. And at the same time, it's kind of part of, you know, being a a man is that you have to be able to manage uh, the expectations you have in their other areas of your life. And I think these guys did an excellent job of, you know, managing 
those emotions and put, putting them aside when it was time to go out and play football. So, yeah, I, I totally encourage them to address it, uh, to communicate with it, to talk to the assistant coaches about it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they did an excellent job of staying focused on going out and winning this game. They practiced great all week. Uh, there's some special guys in that locker room. You know, I, I think Coach – I don't – think there's a person in the world that doesn't think Coach Babers is a great guy. And, uh, you know, everybody in the program was thinking about him all week. Coach, I finally get to ask you about Dan Valori and his development and you working with him so closely this season. What have you seen from number 89 and to where he's gotten as the season's going on? Uh, he's a special guy now. I mean, you know, his uh, desire to go out and get better, to improve, he has – Tremendous confidence. He believes in himself. Uh, he's a really talented athlete. Can do a lot of things, uh, and it just you know him missing the spring and half of fall camp made it really hard for him. You know technically, you know you learn how to play tight end, and then you know early in the year you, you didn't really know what he could do. You, you knew that there was talent there, but uh, from the Clemson game on, it just seems like he just continued to trend in the right direction. And the more we asked him to do, uh, the better he played. The more he took on. Uh, he's got a super bright future, and uh, he's he's a fun guy to coach because you know it, he walks in on Sunday saying like, all right, what do we got? You know, he's excited to go out and get better and try some different stuff. Where do you think this SU program is right now? I think it's totally trending up. You know, there's a lot of really good players in this program. Uh, whoever comes in and has the opportunity to lead this program is getting a team that has a chance to really make a big jump. There's a lot of really talented players. There's good kids that are willing to work hard. Um, I think the future is really bright here, and I think the character of the guys in the locker room, uh, you, you could really gleam a lot of, you know, from what they did this week and how they conducted themselves. Uh, I think that this is definitely going in the right direction. Uh, Coach, obviously Garrett threw the ball more today than he had been in the last couple of games. Still didn't look 100%. How would you kind of rate his performance based on his health and just how limited kind of was he today? Uh, I couldn't rate his performance high enough uh, for what I know that he's going through. Uh, that was off the charts. You know, I mean, really was. I, and uh, like I said, the, the level of uh, sacrifice and love he has for his teammates is really clear because of what he went out and did today and, you know, what he's been battling through. That's pretty special. Coach, uh, you talk about the adversity that some of the players experienced during the week, even the adversity that maybe you even experienced during the week. Could you just talk about what kind of changes you wanted to implement from Sunday to now that you thought could put this team in a better position to win? Uh, you know, I don't know that you could change a whole lot in a short period like this. I mean, a lot of it was staying focused. And, you know, if we did anything, we, we made some, uh, took some time to focus on some situational football things, uh, just things that, you know, I think are critically important to trying to win games um, and you know, we went out and competed a little bit in practice, maybe a little differently. Uh, not a whole lot differently, though. We really tried to keep them healthy. So, uh, you know, it's not so much that we did a whole lot differently. We just tried to keep them positive and, you know, let them deal with what they were, you know, what they were facing to finish the job at the end of the game. Thanks, guys. All right. So, I think we covered a lot of that <laughs> already. But I will say this, that... You know, to be able to go out and 
you know, they can win it for yourself. You can win it for your teammates. You can win it for the coach. You can win it for the program. You can win it regardless to stay focused enough to be able to go out and execute and change the game plan back to a little bit more traditional and execute the way that they executed, I think says a lot. And we can sit here and say, oh, well, it's just Wake Forest. Well, you know, we, we, we always have some kind of leg to stand on as far as any, any type of wind goes, right? Um, yep. They had to score more than normal to pull this win off. And it was tit for tat. I did not expect this thing to be a barn burner. And they hung in there and they did exactly what they needed to do to go ahead and take this thing to the next level and get another month of football like Garrett Trader talks about. And I just, at the end of the day, couldn't be happier for them. And regardless of what bowl they get or anything like that. But, you know, you know, Campanelli's been here before. He was interim coach at Rutgers. Uh, I think it was like a, you know, quite a bit longer than here. I think it might have been like a half a season or or more. But, um, you know, he's been here before. Garrett Trader, you know, he's been here before. He had the same thing happen in 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 um, Mississippi, but a little bit. You know, he spent a whole year being basically taken out of the offense to some degree, right? So, you know, a little bit different for him, but still the fact that he's been through it, Campanelli's been through it, and to come out and execute, I mean, just hats off to everybody for doing it. And doing it on senior day in front of a a mediocre crowd, but the diehards were there. And, um, you know, just proud of the team. I mean... You could sit here and, and and weigh out how big of a win it was, but at the end of the day, give credit where credit's due. Being honest, you know, don't don't. Yeah, you, well, that's what they're gonna do, right? That's well, I'm talking about just us as gen, in general as, as fans to give credit where credit is due in this game for just the fan base for what we've seen this year. Give credit where credit's due. Because, you know, let's be honest, it's kind of a, a, a cold civil war between the fan base, you know, leading up to Dino's firing. You know what I mean? So there's some people, yeah. uh, there's some people, unfortunately, that I felt like wanted to see their own team fail. And it's not like you're getting a higher draft pick when you do that. And I think at the end of the day, too, when it comes down to, this is just my opinion, I think there's so much money involved with everything. Money, cor- money corrupts, and money's corrupted a lot of things. It's cr- it cr- we on. We talk about the likeness between the NCAA or maybe college sports in general to the government, and and how you know that's the the problem is the same. It's money, and you know when you have big donors that are like, look, fan base is screaming. We agree. You know, we we want Dino gone. We want to see a change. Or else you're not getting the money. I mean, look, if you don't think those things happen, I think you, I think you're crazy. So, at the end of the day, you know, Dino's gone, and we don't know the ins and outs of of everything going on. But um, if you didn't listen to the last show, I I feel like we covered a lot of ground as far as the AD presser goes. Um, but money corrupts, and I feel like leashes in general are short. And so, what's where Syracuse go from here? You know, and you can talk about 
Coach Noons and what a job he did, and maybe he should get the job and this and that. I, I'll tell you what. He's a charismatic dude. I like him a lot. I hope at the very least he, he's, he stays on the, uh, on the coaching staff. I think there's a lot of unknowns, yeah. though, that go into this coaching staff right now. And those types of things I don't think are thought about that deep. As from the fans, I hope they are. But no, I'm, I'm no from the fans. Right, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm talking about from the athletic director and all that. Well, kind they, of stuff. those those things need to be worked on being secured before we talk about next steps. You, you know what I mean? I mean, well, yeah. I mean, you notice that they asked him, they talked to him about whether or not, yeah, and he, he reached, they reached out, and he said no. Right. <laughs> so had he said yes, they'd be like, "Oh, what do you?" You know, the right answer for him, regardless, is no. Right. Right. So, well, that's again, that's to my point. That's why this type of stuff makes me nervous as well. Cause like I said, I mean, some people said it too before, like the, the PTSD of Robinson, the higher, as far as Robinson's concerned and stuff like that. Like, I mean, you saw that transition with, from, from Schaefer to Babers. And there was a um, lot of excitement around Babers. Remember that first speech he did at the basketball no, game? No, I remember, but that we also, there was also, a, I don't think we got rid of. Did we get rid of all the? Co- I don't think we got rid of all the coaches. I don't remember going back that far. I don't because we retained a whole bunch of the same guys, right? Just like wasn't Schaefer the defensive coordinator for Marone, and then he ended up getting the job. I mean, I can't. So there was a lot of. I, think I mean, I'm just saying, like the. The Marone to Schaefer and Schaefer to Babers, there wasn't like all the turnover and the loss that we had as far as like when Greg Robinson came in and a new AD and they just brought in everybody's, you know, all the new coaches and stuff like there is talent on this team. And when you really look at that picture of the seniors and who's coming back, I mean, you look that offense, you take Garrett Schrader off that offense and you're seeing Damn near everybody that's out on the field back next year. Um, if defense, they desire. Def- if they desire, right? But, <clears throat> you know, defense, we're losing some guys. But, again, we lost some guys last year, and I think that there's a lot of guys, younger guys in the secondary and, and ready to step back up, right? So, um, yeah, that's the one thing. You know, I listened to – I forget what the podcast was, but one of the, one of the guys, main guys, he goes to the press conferences. But James Mungro is on there. Yeah, that's the um, Orange Zone, right? Yeah, and I watch that, you know, and it's just like it's, sometimes it's hard to watch because it's, it's. I mean, it's tough because James Mungro, he's he's very honest too. From oh, he's very honest, and he's alumni that lives in the area, and um, you know, I mean. When I listened to the one that they did, the emergency one after Dino got fired, you know, he talked about how he he wanted that and he thought that it was time. But then, you know, when you start talking about the other players, like the players that are on the the roster, and start talking about the other coaches, he's like, "Well, you know, we got good coaches. Like, I don't want to see Rocky Long leave. Like, Jason Beckham. You know what I mean? So it's like." So as his whole situation, he was upset more or less because he didn't think that Babers reached out enough to the alumni and former players to get them involved and have them come into the practices and on the sidelines and, and getting them involved. And he seemed like he kind of took it a little personal. Well, um, yeah, and I mean, that's probably 
True, but again, he was a kind of an outsider coming in, and if those if those relationships never develop, then I mean, what's he going to do? And you know, there was a lot of talk about Babers. You know, he didn't let uh, assistant coaches in, in the press conferences or or do answer questions and things like that. You know, he didn't go to a lot of things outside of the program stuff for whatever the case was, events and charity things and things like that. I mean, it was. I'm just repeating what I've read, right? So, you know. There's an aspect there that was probably some missed opportunity. To James's point, I mean, so yeah, but the thing is, is that also by putting yourself out there, I mean, you're you're in a place like Syracuse where you learn really, really quick that there's high expectations, and right, you know, as as fast as they will praise you, it takes one one thing for them to come at you, and I think that. That Babers, you know, to protect himself, to protect his team, to keep things, you know, as close to the chest as possible. I think that he kind of built that, you know, Ahana within the team because I don't think realistically that he felt that the team was getting the outside support um, and resources needed from the people. Um, You know, if you can argue the whole, you know, he didn't do this or they didn't do that, like, and again, this is the what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? And, you know, in my experience, in the way that I would look at it, if you're in a university that wants to support their team and is excited about their team and, you know, no matter what, they're willing to help, then those are the people that are, are going to – those people are going to be willing to reach out. Those fans are going to be able to – they're going to want to reach out and they're going to want to support regardless so why does it take the head coach? Why does it take the university to have to go out and beg the alumni and the fans for their support when it all it takes is one bad loss or one mistake and they're going to just completely take it all away? Um, fans, fans are so wishy-washy that I wouldn't be surprised if he w- didn't feel like he was in a situation where, look, like me, the coaches, the, the family, La Familia, that's all we got here because, you know, unless you're – doing the best that you can at all times and winning, you know, eight, nine, 10 games a year, then this media, this community, these fans, they're just going to, they're going to dog you. They're not going to support you. So there's two different ways to think about that. You know, um, if you're an alumni, you can show up, right. You can, you can push to support, right? Like it's a two way street. Um, and I don't think that those players and student athletes and coaches who are busy enough just trying to, you know, stay stay relevant, win games, you know, kids going to, to school and stuff. I mean, and now they got to take the time to reach out to individuals and alumni and fans to get their support. Right. Like they deserve it. Like go out and support them. You reach out. I mean, that's just that's just the way I look at it. You know, there's too many people nowadays that feel like they just deserve it. So they're going to sit back and they're just supposed to get it. And if they don't get it, then they're the victim and it's somebody else's fault. Um, and that's just how this fan base just plays out to me is they they're deserving to a winning eight, nine, ten, a ranked team every single year. And they shouldn't have to do anything to support that first. That's just something that they just deserve. And that's how our fan base comes off. That's how it comes across. Yeah, it's like uh, kind of like spoiled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you know, put a put a good you know put a good product in the field, and then I'll come to the games. Yeah, like it's an ultimatum for the for the team or the the, the school or the coaches or the athletes. Um. Yeah, the yeah. community, the fans, the alumni, they should want to support the team and they should offer their support and give what they can, no matter who the coach is, no matter who the team is, because, again, that's the only way that they get better. Yeah, well, look, some of that stuff is never going to change. And by some of it, I mean, as far as the fan base goes, I don't think any of it does. Oh, of course not. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, with that said, let's do one final fan feedback for the regular season. It's time to hear from you, the loud mouths from the loud house. All right. It's that time of the show again. Last of the regular season for Syracuse football. As for your thoughts on the game, you leave your your thoughts. We talk about said game here in our fan feedback segment. As always, we try to go live on X Spaces for this. And, you know, I haven't read any of these except for Dave's. And he says we're going bowling with the Doug's Fish Fry logo from back in the day. And what a <laughs> glorious picture that is. It's someone who'd never, I, I went there all the time. Never, I, I don't eat seafood though. But the chicken, man, is freaking good. Okay. And the fries are just phenomenal, by the way. Whatever happened to that place? I think there's one still out in Skinny Isle somewhere. But that's it. It's a sad, that's sad to me. All right. I digress. That's in <laughs> reference to Syracuse going to the Doug's Fish Fry Bowl at Spartan Stadium. Um, okay. At Noah Blanchard, by the way, Noah does have have uh, notifications set for when we tweet. He's on it, which is why he's he's always at the top of every thread. And if you want to be cool like Noah, you can go ahead and do that too. At Coach Noons for president, if he doesn't stay on the staff next year, we riot. Fenway Bowl might suck, but yes, better than the bowl that Nebraska is playing in. <laughs> uh uh, at Oil Cuse, great win, boys. Love the fact that Garrett Trader actually threw the ball a few times. The offense looked good. I was disappointed that the defensive line was manhandled by Wake Forest O-line. Sean said Wake Forest. See, this is the problem. Sean said they sucked. What the F? Uh, Clawson can suck it, bull bound. And, yeah, you know, look, their O-line does stink. I was shocked. I was a little shocked, let's just say. But, you know, those things happen. It's it's. I saw a tweet. Now it might have been from Captain Patrick during the game, in regards to getting, who's always already requested. And we'll get to you there, Cap. Uh, it, it, something in regards to, you know, why can't we get the offense and defense to click at the same time? So this game would have been over in the second quarter. You know, um, it's just one of those things. I don't know. We can't. We can't have nice things, guys. We can't have nice things. So <laughs> it's just. It's just. That's the deal. Um, all right, Cap. Unmute. There you go. Say what you need to say. Oh boy. I, hey. I mean, there he is. Look? Jeez, I'm crow. What are you doing? What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on? 
What's going on? Doing? What's going on, Patrick? How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good. Yeah. So, what was the deal? I, I was expecting us to have like 25 sacks in that game. Meanwhile, we we're getting manhandled. So, I either our DNs and defensive tackles can't rush the passer, or but, we need a new defensive system. Well, I mean, I guess you know if you want to look at it like this. And uh, I don't know if if that's necessarily. I mean, they 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 came to play. They, they did. They they came to I'm play. I'm just really giving you shit because it was funny I, just I because you were you were you were saying how bad they were, and then we made them look good. So that was interesting. It was my um, it was my one thing that I thought was going to be the um, the game winner for Syracuse, and it turned out to be Garrett Trader throwing for three touchdowns instead, and Dan Valari for one, which is like. Yeah. How freaking like, like I'm done with the prediction business. Like I, I've been so bad and off this year with everything that it's like you can only do it so many times and and then feel just feel stupid. So what's y'all's <laughs> thoughts? Yeah, what's y'all's thoughts? Does Dan Valari stay? And then does he does he stay as a quarterback or a tight end? Well, I don't know what Syracuse real like legit quarterback room is going to look like next year and i was we were talking about this before we went live i i feel like dan if he transferred would have to sit a year and yeah oh good great point outstanding point because he's not going to leave then i wouldn't think so if that's the case but then again you know what are rules anymore because oh very true (laughs) there's all kinds of things that can that can uh, make him immediately eligible I don't and know if a coach leaving. Well, a coach, coach leaving. Coach leaving is one of them. And oh, that's true. Yeah. So that, that is an actual waverable offense, so to speak. So I'm not really sure how that works either. I don't think anyone knows how this shit works anymore. <laughs> that's what I'm no, saying. They don't exactly. Exactly. They don't. Because real, realistically, it's up to the the NCAA, right? Right. And we all know how that works. Oh yeah, yeah we'd get screwed. Without a doubt. <laughs> right. Now, if you're asking oh, me. Unless you have enough clout to get your politician, your state politicians involved. Yeah, now and you got to now you got to have a lobbyist, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's freak. <laughs> we got NIL money for something. Let's go. Let's get some lobbyists. <laughs> They're only like 1500 bucks an hour down in the D.C., but if you, you got to do what you got to do. Hey, man, you know, the Lally Center is coming together. Another two years, we won't have to worry about it. It's just going to – if you build it, they will come, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, a couple, I got a couple more points I just want to hit. All right. The uh, Thanks for the warning. Thinking? Yeah, all right. So did you guys talk about <laughs> bowl game yet and where you think we're going to go? No, and no. the reason I haven't is because I have no freaking idea. And <laughs> I, it's like – that's like – that's kind of a boring conversation for me to have. I'll sit okay. and listen well, to that conversation, but I don't, I don't, what, what are there really 30, how many bowl games? How many bowl games? Well, what, there's only a few that we have access to. One of them being like pinstripe and other Fenway, bah, bah. then the Birmingham bowl, or the one I would like is that Gasparilla down in Tampa. Let's freaking go to that. That's a Christmas I, Eve, isn't it? Wait, I think it's, uh, December 22nd, I was oh, looking okay. at it while All I was right. supposed to be paying attention in church today, but I really wasn't. 
But anyway. Shame on you. Shame on you, my son. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, December 22nd, let's go. Let's get, let's hopefully Wild Hack's listening. And I'm sure he is because you guys are awesome. Let's start advocating for that. Let's fucking go. We're the last show he's listening to. Uh, You never know. You never know. Okay. Yeah, you never know. I mean, he should. To to your point about Dan Valari, though. Yeah, absolutely. We we need him next year. Absolutely, hands down, need Dan Valari next year. If you didn't listen to his press conference, you should go and listen to it. Because it's very... I I didn't listen to that one. I listened to Campanelli, and he sounded freaking amazing. Holy shit, that guy has his craft together. We need to make sure we keep him and back. And I think... Who is it? Crazy Dom was text was tweeting about that. <laughs> Crazy Dom is that is that yeah. the new one? I like that. Um, Crazy Dom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's crazy. Maybe I would just say, I mean, he's he's able to call into a lot of shows. I I've heard him on some other podcasts, and I'm laughing my ass off. It's awesome. <laughs> go go on though with oh, your point. Sorry. Okay, the other one. So you know who played really well that I didn't hear people talking about was uh, the center. John Ray Reed, he was freaking smashing people yesterday. He's another one that we need to make sure we keep. And I don't know if we if how that transfer portal works because he transferred in, in here from Duco, right? I don't know if he could leave, but that would be someone that we'd make sure we need to make sure that we give money to to stay because he was freaking great. Yeah, that's a good notice, by the way. Giving credit yeah. there. That's good. All right. The, another thing I noticed, which was probably the funniest freaking thing I saw, was if you were watching on TV, r- immediately after we scored the second touchdown, there was a guy in a crowd, in the crowd, that slapped this girl's ass. Yeah. <laughs> and then she turns around and was like, what the fuck? And they caught it on TV. It is hilarious. It is the second, it was after the second touchdown. I was dying laughing in anyway. If I don't know if anyone else caught that, but it was the funniest freaking thing because her face was like, "What the fuck?" I, <laughs> anyway. I, I didn't catch it, but it's it's very tempting to go back to uh, YouTube TV and and rewatch that after the second. I gotta touchdown. put Christmas lights up, otherwise, or I'll freaking if I have time, I'll go and find it because all that shit gets recorded on YouTube TV, so it was funny. You're a YouTube TV guy too. Yeah. Nice. Well, yep. if you if you find it, and and you you know you want to throw it up on the Twitter, yeah. Tag us. In I'll it. do that. We'll have some fun. Okay. La- last one. Are you sure? Uh, Are you sure, yeah, Dom? Positive. Okay. Yeah, Dom. All right. So, coaches. Damn, hijack the show. What, what y'all thought on coaches? I again. This is the, this is the this is the bowl conversation. I I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of rumors about Dan Mullen. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I I just, I mean, it could be, it could be Campanelli for, for all I care. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I I just want to win. I don't know if I have a preference because like, what is, how do you get a Dan Mullen? Wasn't his last contract like 40 mil for six years or something like that? I mean, there's like, what, what do we, why would he want to come here? Great, you That's know. A great point. I mean, for what? Are we going to pay out, or are we just going to find an up and comer who's going to use it as a stepping stone? Because that's what this program's kind of been. 
It's, yeah. ju- it's just a stepping stone for coordinators to become either higher paid coordinators or head coaches. I mean, yeah, well, th- and some of these head coaches, too, that like sit on the sidelines, like you said, like with Dan Mullen and everything, um, he's going to ask for a lot of money and then he's going to ask for a big buyout. So what's going to happen mm-hmm. is he's going to be getting paid bigger than Babers. If, he, if he's unsuccessful, then they're just going to have to pay him more to buy him out to fire him. If he's very successful, then he's just going to leave the program and go get a better job at a better school for more money. Or he can just so it's a bro- win-win for him. Mm-hmm. Or he can just continue mm-hmm. broadcasting and do less work with less stress and still make bank. That's up mm-hmm. to him. You know? Yeah. So, anyway. What, what my, are your thoughts thought, before you go? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All right. So if they can get Dan Mullen, they need to do it. Now, I don't know how they're paying for that. There, Hopefully there's a donor or six that can that are stepping <laughs> up. Well, someone paid the buyout for Babers. The school didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So that's fantastic, right? So maybe the guy who paid the paid that buyout is like, get someone good. And if that's the case, let's make sure that if Chip Kelly gets fired – Let's, let's look into him as well. This guy from Holy Cross, ugh, I don't know. I, I'd rather not, but it seems like he'd be the cheaper one, and that would be the Syracuse we, option. Oh, my gosh. We don't want to go okay, cheap, do name? we? It, it's whoever Kenny the donors Kenny. want. I, I promise you, whoever the donors want, they'll put up the money for. And that's how this whole thing's working. We, Joe and I talked about this before we went live. No, and, I'm, yeah. I'm more worried about putting up the money to retain the damn coaches and the players that we have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, a very good that's, point. An, that's another problem. And something else we talked about, too. It's like, you know, when you look at the Valari situation, his press conference, in, if you didn't watch it, like I said, you should go do it. It wasn't like a warm and fuzzy. I didn't, I, I didn't feel, I mean, look, that could mean nothing. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, when you put it into perspective, we to have that guy back, no matter what role. I mean, I put a t- I put a poll out on Twitter, and I don't even know what the final results were. But I was just playing around. I said, you know, <laughs> who, who wh- what position do you think Dan Valari comes back as next year? And I said, um, tight end, quarterback, running back, or yes. And <laughs> and, and you know, so two here we go, two hundred and two votes. 39.1% said yes. That was the winner. <laughs> so, and, and he said he's, he said as much. He doesn't care. He, he, no, he's a football player, man. Yeah. He's a football player. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think that we, we still try to go, you know, towards the traditional, you know, what we were trying to do with, you know, Gadsden and a healthy offensive line and a healthy Schrader. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that I do think that Beck has learned a lot as a coach. I think that we did get a little bit too far away from just you know pounding the ball with a running back i think laquint should have probably gotten more carries earlier on in the season but that's easy to um, say now what is he uh, regardless six, of 600 and something yards in the past five games or four games or something like that <laughs> he's getting 30 oh well, yeah but i'm saying at least you know at least you know that this works right right yeah i mean a very good point. you can go yep. more traditional bring in dan valari as your tight end slash hybrid guy just a couple trick plays you know pound the rock with laquint and then hopefully Maybe, you know, our receivers grow up a little bit, get a couple of transfer guys. Who knows? Maybe Gadsden comes back because his draft stock goes down. Try to make mm-hmm. something. But at least, you know, if something does go wrong, OK, um, you know, emergency, break glass in case of emergency, bring in Valari and LaQuint and let them just run down their throat. You know, at least, you know, it's an option. And there's also you can also always mm-hmm. change the pace up with that, too. Patrick, real quick before you go. 
Yeah. Did that pass to um, Alfred look like that was something they might have sh- from 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 Dan Valari maybe look like something they should have would have could have been doing the past three all games? Game, all game. Yeah. All game and past. past yeah. Exactly. They should have been doing that a lot more. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what I thought because it didn't look like you know we've seen Dan Valari in the past couple of press conference um, press conferences. He's had an ice pack on his, um, looks like to be his left shoulder. And, um, you know, but that pass was, that was a pretty pass. And, you know, not for anything. What do you go, 14 for 14? I know that a lot of those were screen passes and, you know, that's fine. But you still got to do it, right? Yep. So um, maybe something we should have, would have, could have been doing. And we know his background as a quarterback. So you just... Uh, you, you question those things when you see a game like this come together. Um, 224 Absolutely. passing yards. You know what I mean? It's a little weird. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, maybe I think that also Daniel comes fired. with doing that for weeks too, right? I mean, if you remember that first week, they were just, they were just trying to get it together, you know? Just try to it was know, piece the, the puzzles to be able to do something to make it work against Pitt. You know, and I think as you do the same thing week after week, you can install more and more things, right? And you get a little bit more trust and confidence with yourself and with other players. Uh, so I think that comes with it as well. Uh, by the way, it was uh, 662 yards in the in the last six games for LeCoin Allen. And um, that dude's just a happy dude, man. He's just a happy dude, happy to do what he's doing. And he likes being, he likes getting dirty. He likes having to be brought down by three or four guys. He likes being hit. You know what I'm saying? He's 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 that dude. Yeah. He's that dude. Yep. So, uh, um, just you know, think about the, the Sean Tucker coming out of nowhere, and we saw what Luke Quinn Allen could do last year in the bowl game, and mm-hmm. questionable not like not using him like Joe said earlier in the year. And hindsight, you look back at that, and you're like, man, well, we should have been doing this the whole time. But regardless of all of that, he's a dog, and and yeah. and, and that dude is another dude that I hope stays. And to be honest with you, I don't think there's any way he goes anywhere. I, got, I could, I, Like I said, my predictions have sucked this year. But I say that because of what he went through in the preseason. Oh, yeah, and, good point. And, and ended up staying anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, with that said, man, hopefully we see LaQuint next year, and, and um, that's another, another piece we definitely need, along with the, the Valari types, right? Um, they have a gadget player like that could be way more utilized next year now that you know what you got. You know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All, All right, guys. Well, thanks. I right. appreciate it. Hey, Pat. Anytime, buddy. We love having you on, Good. man. Appreciate right. it. See you. All right. Bye. Bye. Uh, Patrick, by the way, is said he was going to hang Christmas lights, I believe. I just wanted everybody to know that he's a month late. And that makes me a little sad. Okay. And he comes out of church dropping the F-bombs. And he said he didn't pay attention to church. He should probably... <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Uh, all right. Uh, where were we, John? I think he's still two weeks early. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Joe uh, uh, Nadal on Twitter. Only thing more dysfunctional than NCAA is the White House. Yeah. Solid point. Solid point. <laughs> Without getting into too much there. Mm. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Give me a second. I'm bouncing back and forth here. 
Uh, let's see. At Saltine Warrior 4, happy for the players and staff. Swiss cheese defense. Well, there was, I mean, if the offense wasn't doing what it did, it'd be a, be a different story. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tom on Twitter, T. Frey guy. Why doesn't Nunes have a head coaching job already? He held himself like a head coach today, and the players obviously like him. Is it too late to nominate him to be the next head coach? Like I said, he he has been here before, so he's he has the experience. He's had to do this before, and he just didn't skip a beat, you know. But he's been there. He's got the experience for it. And he even said in his presser, fortunately or unfortunately, he has been here. And with that experience, I think, comes the professionalism that he displayed this past week, not just in the game, but you got to imagine in the in the meetings with the players. He he said in the presser that he did address the players on Sunday. And those are not easy things to do as someone that leads a team like that. You know, those are difficult conversations and they have to be had and to go in there and not skip a beat and put this game plan together and let the other coaches do, you know, what they've been doing and just keep everybody focused. Let You know what I mean? Just to, to have the guys, yeah. to keep them focused is another feat in itself. So, I mean, he's got leadership qualities. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I think every good coach, it starts with being a good leader, period. And if you've got that, you know, and then we can come down to whatever you want to talk about, but. At the, like well, I said, yeah. at the very least, Joe, like I said, the very least, I, I I hope that he's retained on this coaching staff, at the very least. Well, yeah, we spoke about that last week as to why that might have been, you know, the reason why he was chosen. Not not only because he's dealt with this before at Rutgers, but, um, you know, he had a interview earlier in the week when, you know, he explained, I mean, his name is is big in the, in the state of New Jersey. His, his father was a coach. He played in the state of New Jersey, he's come up and I mean, he was a coach at Don Bosco I and mean, Bergeron Catholic, like some of the better schools. I mean, it's a Don Bosco um, school that Tommy DeVito came from um, in Jersey. Um, so his name in New Jersey is huge. That's why, like I said, we get him on the team. Um, we get a couple guys from the Jersey area to immediately transfer, right? Um, we don't know if Valari had something to do with that too because I know that, you know, that's not far away from that area as well. Um, and then on top of that, a third of our, of our recruiting class next year is from the state of New Jersey. So, yeah, I mean, if you're worried about player retention and you're worried about, um, you know, your, your recruiting class coming in and not losing, you know, close to half or a third, then yeah, that's the main guy that I think you're, that you're wanting to retain. Um, you know, obviously you can find a three, three, five guy. I don't know if you're going to find one better than Rocky Wong. Um, and you know, you've been, You've been recruiting for that, for that defense for quite some time as well. So three years, right? Since Tony White, so at least three, right? So, I mean, you've gone through recruiting cycles for getting guys and safeties and secondary people to to fit in this defensive scheme. So you know, there's another guy that you'd probably want to retain. And like I said, I mean, Beck was an up and coming, and he could have been an offensive coordinator somewhere uh, when Robert and I came that one year, and. Um, he he played quarterback coach and then next year the next year after that Robert and I left and then he got his 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 time to shine as far as being OC this year so um 
And to be perfectly honest with you, I think that what we eventually figured out, you know, like I said, not too many teams can lose their number one receiver, their number one quarterback, and their top two offensive linemen and think – or top offensive linemen and, and think that you're going to just be able to run the same offense. So, yeah, um, there's guys that we need to retain here, and, and, and that's the one thing that's tough and difficult a lot of times when it goes to getting rid of head coaches, um, especially when you have good recruiters and good coaches underneath you that you want to retain. And, and if you don't retain them, then you're questioning – you know what players leave what players stay and and how bad is that whole retention going to be going into next year so that's really the one thing that, that makes me more nervous than anything else and, and the one thing that i'm um most interested in when it comes to our head coaching hire tyler's in the spaces unmute yourself tyler how you doing buddy i'm doing well guys how are you good where are you at you driving? what's up buddy I'm uh, I'm on my balcony of my house in uh, Houston, Texas, and uh, I'm just hanging with my cat while he's doing uh, these belly rolls on the ground. Nice, sounds yeah. like a good time. What do you got? Great. What do you got going on, bud? Thanks for coming on. Oh, well, of course. I mean, I well, first off, what I wanted to do is just come on and say I love you guys. I think that this show, um, I, I don't know why, it just gets every better. It gets better every year, you know, despite <laughs> despite all odds, you know, despite the fact that you guys are hosting it. And um, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, the, the, the greatest part, honestly, is that, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I really do enjoy it. I, I love that you guys persist and do this despite, you know, what's going on with the program and all that. And so whenever I can, uh, you know, join, it's always a good time. So. Well, uh, we appreciate that. Of course. Um, I, I think to your guys' point, uh, Nunzio, I think he should be the associate head coach with whoever gets uh, offered the job. You know, it, it gets a little bit of a pay bump for him. It, it keeps him in there. And then I think the way that he interacted with Dan, especially after the game, I think that would be a great thing, you know, just to keep him on staff, keep some familiarity with the with the, with the the region and also with the team. Because, you know, these blow-ups with the you know, head coach is being gone. Like if a guy like Mullen were to come in, he's going to want to bring in a, all mm-hmm. of his guys. Yeah. Be- and, and the reason being is because that those guys already have recruits attached to them at other schools that they want to bring with them because these guys aren't going to be able to refamiliarize themselves with an entire another 300 set of names in a week. Right. And so you have to go on the relationships that you have. Um, and just, you know, as a guy that went through it, you know, it was, you spend a couple months building rapport with coaches and then it's like, all right, well, if this guy is gone, like I actually want to play for this guy rather than, you know, unless it's a school like Syracuse that has all these upsides of academics and great networking and, um, you know, the, the intangibles that it offers. But, you know, if it was between like, you know, if we're just going between like Florida and Texas A&M and my coach that I really like flips from one school to the other, I'm going to follow him. It happens all the time. So I'd like to, you know, see something like that happen with some staff continuity to your point. Yeah, well, it has to be, right? You think. I mean, but at the end of the day, like, uh, our recruiting class seems pretty locked into coming to Q's regardless of the coaches, which is encouraging. Yeah, and we haven't talked a lot about it, and I know that there, if you go to, what is it called now? Um, used to be the Big Orange back in the day, and then it was the Juice, SU Juice Online. They had, there, it's a, a pretty oh, decent. Yeah recruiting site they have a list of of all of them on there um okay anyway yeah that's yeah i mean i think the campanelli retention is most important um yeah i agree 
And I think that that's just because of the recruiting in that region. Just like I said, I mean, a third of our class is, is in from New Jersey. You know, we got a bunch of guys that are already from New Jersey in that area. Uh, I think that Valari did come in and, and he's, you know, I think he did come in for him. And now that he's been his tight end coach and position coach, I think that he can keep him retained there as well. So when it comes to retaining, you know, our recruiting class and current players on our team, uh, I think that that's, that's the biggest one for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But the article that came out when he did transfer from Michigan to Q's was that like he was waiting when he was playing in Long Island high school football, that he was waiting for the Syracuse offer the whole time and it never came because he hmm. already had a Michigan offer. And like he wanted to play at Syracuse. We just didn't give him the look initially because I guess Coach Babers, as he made do on his promise, didn't see him as a quarterback, right? And so he was like, you can come to Syracuse, but it's as a tight end. Um, maybe that was the case, you know, originally. And then he wanted to go, you know, try his hand at quarterback somewhere to Schrader at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And then you find, you know, find a place that will let you do what you think you can do. Um, and I don't know. So I think that, you know, with, with that being said, like, um, I, I think Dan found his home. I really do. Because it's like to, man, again, as especially as a guy that's like went through this, it's like to go fight on the roster depth chart somewhere else. And then the place that you're at the incumbent being Syracuse, like knowing that not only are you the number one, but like you are the guy, the face of the program. now. It's you and the right? Like, yeah, you don't get that just when you go to Kentucky, you know, or like, you know, you take that step up, you get a little extra money. Um, it's not guaranteed. And so I think that Dan has like a surefire opportunity to, you know, replicate what he did to some degree next year and, you know, go be a draft pick. <clears throat> Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, where else are you going to get the spotlight? You know, off the bat, you're already established. You already worked hard to kind of um, create. I mean, let's be honest, created a role for himself through um, the injuries and things. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's shown that he can do it. He can do it all. What did he catch? Right. For, he caught one yesterday. He. He uh, threw for one one. yesterday. You know, it it was only, I was waiting for him to run for one. And it was just like, I would not have been surprised. We've seen him run. We know what kind of powerhouse runner he is. He's very like, he's very like level-headed and calm too. Like through everything, like all of his pressers and just in game. I know he's had a couple of issues with fumbles, you know, early, but you know, yeah, yeah, right. At the end of the day, uh, he's a, He's an, he is what he said he is. He's an athlete, and he he's gonna yeah. he's gonna come out and he's gonna ball out and he's gonna give it his much like LaQuint. I, I can't Honestly. say enough about LaQuint, dude. This dude, the, I, he cannot wipe the smile off his face. <laughs> he just loves to play football. Yes, he he's does. awesome. He's the he's the he's the best kind of guy. He's he the is. guy that you know when. Like he's a guy like when it's July 19th and it's just miserable because you haven't seen another human being besides the other 110 guys on the roster and staff. And you're just like, you know what? Um, I'm going to go practice hard today because LeQuint's going 100,000 miles an hour. Like it's just it's an infectious type of deal. And that's what um, that's what Dan said. <laughs> you know, he's, oh, it has to he be. sets the standard be. for those guys. Yeah, yeah, totally. As well as. Yeah. um I, you know, I, I don't think he leaves, but he is my biggest question mark just because, like, if I'm another school, I'm like, dude, what is it going to take? Yeah. What do you guy? what are you making over there at SU, by the way? <laughs> right. You know, right. and so, that's that's all it takes now. What are you making over there at SU? Well, I can double it. Exactly. Right. And running back is such an easier plug and play position. It's just like, well, you just, you know, 
get the handoff and go. Like, you know, there's not, I mean, yes, there's pass protection and whatnot, but it's not like tight end where it's like, okay, am I going to be featured? Am I not? It's like running back has to play. You know what I mean? Like, so that's just the, the, the worrisome aspect. Um, but last, last thing on all these transfers, I know like it's been made a mockery of, but in order to transfer, you have to graduate or you have to have enough credits to still be on track to graduate at your next school. And so you got to, the NCAA hasn't forgot about that in order to play. And so like if, if he graduated, um, then I could see all these guys getting the free transfer and being able to skirt around the rules. But um, there's still some, some sort of logistics that makes it tougher than the common eye to see. Okay. I didn't realize that, that the, yeah, NCAA, that the NCAA follows rules. That is. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> you mean which ones they pick and choose to follow? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. And did you guys know that, by the way, the only reason why they had this transfer rule in the first place that made you sit out a year, it was for three sports. Any other sport can transfer freely. It's football, men's football, obviously. There's no mm-hmm. women's football. Right. Men's basketball and baseball. Um, oh, and also men's hockey. So there's four. They said that it's too hard to transfer universities play and stay academically eligible and they set that standard in like the 40s or 50s and so they said when you transfer initially you have to sit out a year to make sure that your grades stay compliant in order Uh to be able to play the next year and And so that's the only reason why they did it in the first place it wasn't because of free agency it was because they didn't trust that guys in that program were capable enough to transfer and still be academically eligible this is all you need to know well that's interesting That sounds like something that they shouldn't be able to control Exactly. <laughs> it's up to that individual to be able to handle right. that, right? Yeah, that's right. that's um, that's you know, suckling on the teat. I mean, it's just like government. We're going to do what's best for you because you don't know what's best for you. Well, here's one, Tyler. Hundred percent. What are the what's the rule? Why why is the rule in place that when a team like James Madison goes up from D one AA to Division one that they have to sit out what like two or three years before they can play in the postseason? It's something very similar to um, – because, like, you don't want the guys to – are like, it was something along the lines of academics that they were like, it's going to be too hard for you guys to go up a division, um, have the 40-hour rule now. Um, and then also – because I think 1AA or FCS has maybe a 35-hour practice rule. And right. then um, Division 1A had 40 hours. So they're like, well, if you go up, that five extra hours is going to kill all your guys' academics, and then you won't be able to, you know, stay eligible. So – Heavens forbid you go undefeated and go to a bowl game because you earned it. So right, that's what I mean. Like if you, what if they all stay eligible and you make up those scholarships and you fill your team and then you actually go eleven and one? It's like, right. don't you think that they should be rewarded by that? No, heavens no. Oh, unbelievable. Well, so. as far as uh, as Valari and LeQuint go, I don't know. Hopefully there'll be, especially LeQuint, they'll use some of the. Um, the earlier transfers and, you know, the grass isn't always greener um, and kind of just stay with the fact that, you know, because even if Valari isn't the quarterback next year and we go with Davis or somebody else comes in, right? Um, Will, Will Rogers. <laughs> yeah, Will Rogers with Dan Mullins, right? Like something like that happens. <laughs> you still know, Valari still knows he's the starting tight end, right? Oh, what's so, at the very least. LaQuinn Allen knows he's, he's the starting starting halfback. And we all know that in the back in our back pocket, you know, maybe for a change of pace or just in case emergency, we can do what we've been doing the past couple weeks and still pull out games. So absolutely. 
And lastly, was there any indication prior to the game that Garrett could, in fact, throw? This is just, I, I don't know what to make of this. Because Michael Lasker and I watched the game yesterday, and we were like, I mean, dumbfounded was not even the correct adjective I, to describe what was going on when uh, we watched that game yesterday. I, I'm with you. I, I had no idea a week would make that much of a difference, but according to... According to Garrett, no, I mean, he just, we saw it the week before, right? I mean, against Pittsburgh, he barely completed a ten-yard pass for we a did. touchdown. We did see it. It was yeah. a dead duck, and, and, it was it, six and then he couldn't play. And then I think last night, I mean, yeah, I think last night there were night some was short ones. The long one did Alfred from did, Alfred came back for that one. You know, so get, did Har uh, Hatcher came back for it too? Yeah, for yeah. the touchdown. But, that was really, but. really. I mean, low. I mean, to me, yesterday that was all pain tolerance and balls. Yeah, yeah, it was I, I it was agree. it was balls. Well That's, said. That Joe. was it's, I'm leaving it all out there. I don't yep. expect to see him in the bowl game. And that was I'm gonna go out there and win that stuff for the for the seniors that and everybody that worked so hard and, and for coach for Coach Babers. That's that's what it was for me. I really, really, really hope we see him in the bowl game. And I um I, I think that with another month or so, give or take you know, and maybe being able to rest a little bit in between there, I feel like we'll see at least see him to some capacity. But you probably you could be right, Joe. I mean, he just left it all out there and he did it for his teammates. And he, you know, he got emotional a couple of times and he held it together. But he, you know, you could tell um, how much just his teammates and getting another game for the seniors means to Garrett Trader. And we've been saying it all year. Just what a freaking humble stand-up guy i mean just through and through it's it's more than football for garrett trader that's what is that's what it comes down to for him it's everything and, and it's too bad that we've very very rarely seen him at 100 percent throughout his yeah, career at which is which was my point earlier it, it, the first you know, what four games of last year maybe yeah maybe <laughs> right and, and so we <laughs> and so we just don't know we have no idea right. and just the the in that dude and like like joe said the balls like he needs a wheelbarrow for those suckers you know i mean <laughs> he, he's serious i mean he's just he's one I, i'll say it again he's one of my favorites to ever grace uh an orange uniform as far as quarterbacks go and i just wish that i wish we had him for another year you know you got some of these guys playing into their late 20s yeah, why not Schrader? You know, uh, we just I can't. Know. We just can't have nice things. And to have a healthy Schrader, we've never seen. And man, Mississippi State they 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 lost out on a on a on a true on a gem. grit yeah. player for real. Um, oh, by the, b- before I let you all go, um, I, I pulled a couple of folks from uh, my time at Q's, and they they do think that you're insane for having Garrett over Dungey. But um, I will just I, – I think that we've been fortunate to have both. So I'll leave it there. Fair. That's, a, that's, pure, that's, that's pure opinion. I think it comes down to pure opinion. And now, look, two different types of guys, for real. No, certainly. And, and uh, Dungy will always on, be the On warrior. different types of teams, too. And yeah, on different types of teams at different levels doing different things. And like I said, I've got three freaking – Three signed pictures of quarterbacks hanging on my wall. One's Donovan McNabb, one's Garrett Schrader, and one's Eric Dungy. So that's it. That's, 
That's what I got. <laughs> and, I, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for them all. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> yep. I'm not picking sides. I'm just saying. Exactly. That. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I've already get, I've, I've gotten that one. And I, and I understand the argument. For me, it's like, just real quick. For me, it's like this. Could Like, I could stool up next to Garrett Trader and have, like, a, a freaking beyond a blast. And he's just that guy. He's a man's man. You know, um, ballsy, just hard, tough player. And um, I think a lot of it for me, too, comes down to um, his character. Not that, not knocking Dungy's character, but I'm just saying for, from what I've seen, um, just a all-around awesome guy. He's just a guy I want to have a beer with, basically. That's what I'm saying. That's a long way around of wanting to have a beer with that dude at a, and, and talk football and life. That's it. I want to talk his injuries. We'll figure a, out how messed up his yeah, damn arm really is. <laughs> well, you know, in in Coach Noons, he he um, said, you know, for what he he was shocked that Garrett was able to do what he could do in in yesterday because at two oh seven they didn't even know if he was going to play according to him, and knowing what he is going through and what he's what he's having to deal with, he was shocked too. So if that tells you anything. It, it, I mean, yeah. Between that and between LaQuint's uh, comment about essentially speculating that Schrader's been dealing with stuff and hasn't been a hundred percent from the beginning of the season. I mean, he was like from Colgate since Colgate. He's been he's been working to to get to a certain point so that he could play. So yeah. you know, there's a lot of speculation. I mean, I saw a rumor on. Twitter, not to say obviously it's you know it's true or not true one way or another, but there's people talking it's about true. him having a torn rotator cuff. Like I mean, you know if that's the case and he went out and did what he did yesterday, pff. yeah, yeah. Uh, at D Cags on Twitter says Garrett flipped one ball during warmups, but only using his elbow, didn't rotate his shoulder. I mean, he was mm. saving it, but yeah, and I haven't had a torn rotator cuff, but I know people have had, and. That is, that is a painful deal, all just through and through. So, we don't know. Is it the, you know, I just always speculated throughout this year that it was just not enough time of recovery and recuperation, and maybe I don't um, think it's just his elbow. From the no, well, Mm-mm. I mean, just There's just through no this. Way. Well, this just was the speculation that I've just been come to think just through the right. year and from what we read, you know, about the recovery time of that. But yeah, I mean, it could be more, it could be more. Could you imagine like, geez, what kind of freaking luck does that, you know, do you have to have to have that elbow injury and now a, a rotator cuff injury and just to play through it, regardless of what it is, is amazing to me. That's why I feel like if it's something like right. that, it's going to be, you know, we're going to hear about it shortly, probably going to be going into most likely getting some type of surgery to try to get better before you get t- talking about the draft and, and all that stuff like that, um, if there even is a possibility. That's why I don't see a situation where he plays the bowl game because I do think that he's probably got something that probably requires another surgery, yeah. if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. And, and if I had to guess, it probably felt like his arm was going to fall mm-hmm. off after every time he threw a ball the other day. I mean, if you pay attention to him in the presser, it seemed okay, though. You know what I mean? It's just who knows. Who knows? It's a pain tolerance thing, like you said, Joe, earlier. Obviously, he can yep. tolerate it. Um, he definitely can. And Tyler, <laughs> he, just like me, probably knows a bunch of athletes that would have never even suited up feeling like that. 
Yeah, why risk oh, it type thing. Easy. Yeah. He did it for yeah. he did it for his teammates. Well, um, I'm looking forward to the Gator, Garrett Schrader podcast next week. Uh, guest Garrett Schrader. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> okay, look, you, you can make it happen. You're coming on too. How about that? What a, what am I going to ask him? Hey, man. How what you am feeling? I going to ask him? Dad. Right? That's I not our forte. Just start your beer conversation, whatever you want. That's hey, true. You said you, <laughs> wanted to, go. you said you wanted to stool up and have a beer with him, so – Okay. Crack a beer. Yeah, just, no, I would not. You guys, you guys will just both sit on stools and on each respective side of the video camera and go. I'm, I would tell you, it might end up being the best thing we ever did. And he is old enough to stool up and have a beer too. Absolutely. Exactly. He must be with a beard like that. You don't get. Well, you, you and know what the I'm fact saying? that he's been in college for five years is probably a dead giveaway. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you don't have a beard like that and can't drink. I don't care what your age is. Age is nothing at that point. Well, I mean, he's from the south down here. It's like you're 14, you have a beer, and you're drinking beer and driving a pickup truck. (laughs) It is perfectly fine. It's all relative. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right, Tyler. We appreciate you, brother. Love you, man. Don't be a stranger. Hey, I see you pop in and out out of the spaces here and there. You pop in, you pop out. You pop back in, you pop back out. You know. It just depends on how how crazy my son is at that given moment. But uh, fair, fair. I was say he's going through some stuff right now, man. Yeah, uh, but, but hey, uh, uh, that's a game time decision every time. Pleasant surprise, yeah. regardless. We appreciate you, buddy. Don't be a stranger. Well, just man. know, I listen every time. So I love you guys. Keep doing well, love you too, buddy. Appreciate, appreciate it, man. Love you too. Right, bye. bye. Uh, yeah, nice little surprise there. But that's gonna do it. That is gonna do it. And uh, appreciate everybody in the spaces. And, uh, you know, enough can't be said for everybody who's the, the, you know, there's a lot of guys who are in the spaces on a consistent level every week. And, you know, it's not. They're getting newer ones, too. Yeah, we're getting newer ones. You know, you transfer over to the basketball stuff. It could be totally different. But um, we got basketball (laughs) controversy with the coaches, right? Uh, yeah, I have, by the way, David on Twitter, Sean needs a fourth quarter, uh, a, a fourth QB poster on his wall. Ken Stabler. Yeah. He played at Alabama though. So that's the thing. All of, all of my, all of my signed, my signed photos of the, of the, uh, of the quarterbacks on my wall are all in, you know, Donovan's not in an Eagles uniform. You know what I'm saying? But I do have a big, like signed Kenny Stabler. I do. It's just not in this room. So, ha, I already got it. Kenny Stabler, the snake, <laughs> my guy. Too bad, Alabama, though. That's okay. Um, yeah, so what's up? So we got basically Syracuse on Tuesday. So we'll be coming back Wednesday. What's up? We'll be coming back Wednesday. Hope to see everybody in the spaces. Thanks for um, just listening if you don't. But, yeah, the plan is Wednesday. We'll talk about LSU and I guess we'll I'm talk sure there's about gonna UVA. be some news. There'll probably be some news, but we'll talk about LSU and talk about UVA and we'll talk about whatever's in between. But when no, the, probably the bowl game. Will that get will that be a thing already? We'll know by then, you think? I guess uh, I think we should. I don't know. I think the I think we'll know by tomorrow. I don't even know. Uh, oh no, I don't think wait. so. Well it's because there's championship week next week, right? So I think the smaller the smaller bulls might start asking, you know. 
what's there, 30, 34 bowl games, 36 bowl games, something like that? Oh, shit, I don't know. Probably anyway. more than that. Well, like Pat said, you know, relative bowl games. We're talking Gasparilla Bowl again. I just All right, so joked the on, Gasparilla Bowl, but anyway. Sunday, on December Sunday, uh, Sunday, December 3rd, matchups for all 40, 41 bowl games will be okay. announced throughout the day. Okay, well, there you go. So we won't, we probably will not know, but we'll have a ton of speculation, which, to be honest with you, when I say I don't have an opinion on it, that means I don't care. Sorry. <laughs> when I say I don't have an opinion on the bowl game, I don't feel like talking about it, it's because I don't care. Like, I don't. Well, most don't. likely, too. I mean, he might be talking about, oh, you know, the. You know, Captain Pat might say, oh, if the bowl's there, then I might be going to it, right? Versus you, you probably know you're not going to the bowl game regardless. Um, so <laughs> I, I would have, well, probably not. Probably Realistically. Not. I mean, I realistically, probably not. We'll have to see. Um, at DCAGS, buddy CAGS on the Twitter says, he th- oh, he thinks it's next Sunday. That's what you just said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, look, that's... only one I'd be really realistically going to is the is, one in Charlotte. So, well, yeah, now that's a whole different story. I and mean, if you if you tell me what day it's on, I mean that's a possibility. I mean, I would I could make it to Charlotte. I could make a Charlotte happen. It it just it, it depends. Like I've got a lot of balls in the air. Like usually getting off of work's not a big deal. Um, my wife's schedule alternates, so there's a fifty fifty shot at that. Um. You know, we could make that happen. Sure, it's pretty flexible with switching schedules and things like that. It's it's school for my kids, and I can't just leave them here either. So I got you know I got kids in AP classes and things like that. Like they got to be they miss one day of school, and it could be a freaking set them back a week in some cases, depending on what's going on. So that's what it comes down to, and um, that's a that seems like a pretty obtainable. Um. If if I'm gonna do one one in Charlotte, it's um, a possibility. I guess that's yeah. what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, we'll just have to see. But that is gonna do it for us, guys. Uh, appreciate everybody in the spaces. Appreciate everybody who is still listening to us at this point. And enough can't be said. Uh, very blessed to have all of you guys. And uh, we will see you next Wednesday. Talk about LSU and talk about UVA for Joe, Sean, Ralph. Peace. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.